Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the All Belong podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, this is our very first season of our podcast, and we have been exploring the book recently published by the Association of Christian Schools International called Leading Insights, Special Education and Inclusion. This book discusses the vision and practical methods of special education and inclusion in Christian schools, and over the past four episodes, we have enjoyed conversations with nearly all of the book's contributing authors. These conversations have been led by All Belongs Executive Director, Elizabeth Lucas Dombrowski, who is also a contributing author to Leading Insights. We have a link to purchase that book in our show notes, so make sure to check that out. And today in our fifth episode, Elizabeth hosts a conversation with Rick Kempton, who offers us the administrator perspective on inclusive education in Christian schools, like he does in his chapter of Leading Insights. For the past 10 years, Rick has served as the head of school for Annapolis Area Christian, a school in the D.C. metro area, enrolling over 900 students in grades K through 12 across four campuses. Rick has also served on the Board of Trustees for the Association of Christian Schools International for 27 years, including two terms as board president. Before Rick joined Annapolis Area Christian, he lived in Southern California, working in both public and Christian education. We hope you enjoy this episode of the All Belong podcast as Rick shares his personal story, his passion and commitment to inclusive education in Christian schools, and his wisdom and experience as a school administrator. Thank you so much, Rick, for being here with us today and on this podcast. I so enjoyed your story in the chapter of Leading Insights that you shared, and I'm wondering if For listeners who may not have read the monograph yet, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and a short recap of your story about inclusive education? Absolutely. Thank you, Elizabeth, and thank you for uh, the opportunity to to be a part of this today. I really think, uh, you know, my my, uh, heart for the less fortunate and for inclusive education really kind of was born out of the kind of home I grew up in. Um, in In the book, I talk a little bit about my parents, my mom was in, um, I think, a dozen different foster homes before she got to high school. My dad's father um, exited the family when he was eight years old. And, and as a result of that, my parents, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can roll when something like that happens to you as a child. And they they both became driven to uh, to minister to others. Uh, they both loved Jesus. And, and our household was a place where... Um, you know, stepping into situations to help people, serving, uh, caring for others. That was, was the example that my parents had for us. And, and so I took that uh, along the way and, and uh, began my career in public education. And while I was working in, in uh, the public schools in Southern California, my, I have a brother that's 10 years younger than me that, that was really struggling in school. They didn't know it at the time, but he had ADD, ADHD, and he was not just underserved, he was poorly served, it dealt with a tremendous hardship and, and ridicule at times with teachers and from students. And, and his experience was part of what um, really caused me to get educated more on what special education looks like and what, is it, what does an inclusive setting look like, even in a public school. And in 1984, I left my public school after uh, 11 years and became part of a, a school that I started in Southern California. It was 
small part of it existed. I opened the middle school and in the very beginning, I wanted us to have a special education emphasis, not a program that was a tag on, but something that we did that provided inclusive experiences in the classroom and, and in, in co-curricular for all kids. I was there 28 years and uh, that program grew over time. It was, a, it was at the heart of who we were as a school. And uh, in 2012, uh, the Lord called me here to Annapolis, uh, crazy, 3,000 miles away. And, you know, I was 60 years old when, we, when my wife and I left. So it's like, what, what, what is a guy your age doing, uh, you know, leaving everything he loves a school for 28 years that everybody knew I'd never leave and a church that my wife and I were for, were for years and our children, grandchildren all there. And so when I, when I was being interviewed here, I, I talked openly about my heart for the underserved and for, especially for providing an inclusive opportunity educationally for kids. I didn't want them to get ambushed when I, when I started working on those things. And, and so that was here from the start. And, um, one of the things that happened when I arrived here in Annapolis and began, you know, my responsibilities, I met a dad who had a daughter that had Down syndrome. She had, uh, he had tried to get her into the school and were denied admission. And, and so that really kind of became something that, that I wanted to pursue and to make sure that we had an experience for students like Jackie. And, uh, and as it turned out, several years later, she came into our seventh grade. Her two brothers were already in our school system. Her involvement in our middle school was beautiful to watch. I, you know, we thought we were administering to her, but she ministered to us in far greater ways. And um, Jackie graduated from our high school this last year and is in a post high school um, program now. And, uh, and she um, is an amazing young lady. And as a result of what she stepped into it's allowed us to grow our program uh, on our four campuses and with special ed specialists on each of our four campuses and teachers that are working with students and uh, working hard to train our our mainstream staff and faculty to, to be involved as well well congratulations to jackie on her graduation hooray very, very exciting <laughs> that is such a fun event to celebrate for her and many other students. Rick, my heart breaks to hear about the experience that your brother um, had. I think that has driven our organization here at All Belong and our heart for inclusion for many, many years. Um, and I hope that we don't have to hear those stories for too much longer, right? Right. <laughs> The stories play such an important role in inclusive education, in the advocacy that we do, and in the, the work that we do with each other. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have another story that you could share with our listeners about a student or group of students and the impact of inclusion that you've seen at Annapolis Area Christian? Yeah, I'd love to. I, um, you know, the thing about Jackie is... Um, when she walks on campus, um, people know that she's different. Um, and many of our students have instances with their learning style that, that's invisible, that you, you can look at them. They're socially adept. They, they interact with other, others, but they struggle with various learning disabilities. And as a result, struggle in the classroom. And you know, probably my favorite story about another student is a young man named Eli, who has ADD, ADHD. I got to know Eli when he was in our middle school and uh, 
when he arrived at our high school, we have a mentorship program at our high school that faculty and staff are involved in. And he was in my mentor group. Eli was filled with energy, loved to be the class clown, uh, struggled in the classroom big time, uh, grades and uh, responsibilities in the mainstream classroom were not a priority for him. Uh, he just was loving life and, uh, and just, you know, kind of moving along at a pace that uh, would put him out of bounds half the time. But uh, over the course of the four years that he was in our high school, things began to change for Eli, began to see, I think like slowly uh, impact was had with uh, some of the things and strategies that were happening in the classroom. Uh, teachers were loving him. And uh, what, remind, what I'm reminded most about is how he finished his senior year. He had never played football before and he was a good sized boy and he decided to play football. He knew very little about the sport, but he ended up being an all conference player on our championship football team. He began to be a little more serious about the academics. And the thing that, that I remember most about his senior year was we have a, a project, we call it the senior practicum, that it's a capstone project that all of our seniors are required to do. And, and I happen to be one of the evaluators in Eli's presentation. And he uh, was incredible in his presentation. Uh, he never looked at a note. He spoke for more than 30 minutes, and his topic was why are teenagers leaving the church today? And I cried as I watched him deliver his speech and practicum, and he went on to college, went to a Christian university, uh, was, was elected to be the president of the Christian fraternity on campus. Um, his grades were above B. He had a three-point-plus GPA throughout college graduated, got married, and now has a great job and uh, is flying in the mainstream and uh, in a very focused way. That was beautiful to watch because I met him when he was in seventh grade. And now he's, I think, 21. So amazing. That is a powerful story. Thank you for sharing it. I love that you were able to see um, see his, his strengths the gifts that he could bring to community. And then you were able to see um, not just how to develop and honor that for him, but for others in his life too. Um, we talk a lot about seeing and knowing every kid most excellently and making sure that there are times and spaces in the school day that honor every student's gifts, um, that we are making sure that students have that ability to show what they're gifts are, what their strengths are, what they can bring to community. Um, and that is a life-changing impact. So that is awesome to hear. And kudos to Eli. I love that. Um, one of the things I think many administrators worry about when they think about inclusive education um, is this fear to fear of making mistakes, fear of failing in the journey of inclusive education. And you've been on this journey for a while, and I would love to hear if you're willing to share some of the risks that you've taken uh, that seemed pretty worrisome at the time, but turned out better than you might have imagined. Happy to share. I think um, I think some of the things that I learned, I learned way back in, in Southern California when I began the emphasis in my former school. I think my passion and my heart for uh, this particular emphasis exceeded my wisdom. 
about uh, how others would respond. And, uh, and so I, I can remember moving too quickly and uh, along the way, losing some teachers that, that uh, were difficult to bring back into the program once they decided that this wasn't something they wanted to be a part of. And so I think, you know, the, the initial steps that I misstepped there, I learned from. And uh, when I got here, I knew that I needed to bring people with me and uh, moving, moving more slowly, educating the school board. When I got to a place where I felt like we were ready to look at something different than uh, the little bit we were doing beforehand, uh, you know, we took a whole bunch of people to Grand Rapids, Michigan and visited, you know, Christian schools to there that had an inclusive program already in place. And, and I selected, I took our principals and I took teachers that I knew were influencers and I also knew that they were not in favor of what we were doing. And so it was a risk to take people that, uh, that had made it public that this was not something they wanted to be a part of. But we spent two full days visiting schools, talking to teachers, parents, students. And uh, I can still remember going back to the airport and debriefing at the airport before we flew back to Annapolis. And it was unanimous among our seven or eight people that were on the trip, that this was something that we needed to do. And, um, and so I think that the intentionality of this needs to be strategic. It needs to be uh, something that you pray through, think through. And it's, it's beautiful when things happen wonderfully. You know, we circled up that day at the airport and everybody was kumbaya. And we, we still faced, you know, everything from speed bumps to other kinds of obstacles along the way. But uh, it's been a consistent, uh, in my 10 years, this is my 10th year here, that uh, we've continued to move forward. And, and today we, you know, we have things happening on all four of our campuses in all grades, K to 12. And I think we're, we're still overcoming some of those obstacles. I think that's part of what we will continue. This is a journey. I don't believe you arrive. I don't think this is something that you all of a sudden go, ah, we did it. Uh, we now have this wonderful experience and it's beautiful and it'll never, never have to do anything again to it. We are constantly needing to give attention to it and make sure that we give it the um, emphasis that it really needs to have. Absolutely. So Annapolis Area Christian, when you came to visit, that was one of the largest groups of visitors that we ever uh, hosted. And so Annapolis Area is a large school. Um, and not every Christian school is that large. So what is your advice? And I know you've worked with a lot of smaller schools and talk with a lot of other administrators. Uh, what is your advice to smaller schools in their work towards inclusion, um, particularly when they might not yet have um, the staffing or experience that you have, Rick? Well, the school that I was a part of in Southern California was very small when we opened the doors and I think you have to begin by, you have to be a learner. You have to find answers. And, uh, and today there are lots and lots of places to get those answers in, in, in a Christian school circumstance that, uh, that, that wants to be inclusive. Uh, the all belong emphasis, uh, you know, that's a great source. And people like me finding others that you can talk to. And then I think a mindset of moving slowly getting yourself educated, finding out about, you know, what, how are the ways you might be able to do this in a smaller setting, almost thinking like an entrepreneur, 
and uh, thinking outside the box and thinking creatively about ways to, to begin something like this. And I think every school is probably going to be a little bit different. And I think it's, it's something that if, if you begin with the buy-in, then I think you, you will find people even within your own school community that will, that will become part of your leadership, part of your momentum moving forward. But I think, you know, getting the answers, not being afraid to get the answers before you decide to say no. I think those are the kinds of things that, that you have to step into it with a willingness to learn, a willingness to find out how might we do this in our small setting? Because I do think every school is a little different and there's lots of ways to do this that, that don't look like the way we do it here in Annapolis. Yeah, one of the one of the pieces I, I feel like I keep repeating on this podcast is giving ourselves permission to dream about what could be instead of being stuck in what is right now. Yeah. Um, and so as you talk about moving, that that movement matters, right? And we don't move unless we push ourselves and dream a bit. So thanks for sharing that. You've seen a lot of change in schools during your time in education too. So where do you think Christian schools are headed next or where should Christian schools be heading? Well, I think, I think Christian schools need to understand that they are more needed today than perhaps at any other time in our nation's history. What's happening in the public setting is um, often contrary to, uh, to our core beliefs and the, the very mission that we're called to as, as Christians. I think first and foremost, uh, we cannot lose sight of our highest priority and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that the, all of us that, that have that priority, are, we have a mission that, that points to him and to the excellence that we're called to as believers. And I think it's easy today to, to, to be distracted, to be discouraged. The pandemic that we've just, you know, gone through and who knows what's on the horizon have, have challenged us and, and um, exhausted us. And so I think we need to be prepared for challenge and to not, uh, not waver from our, our focus on Jesus Christ and our focus on our mission. You know, for, for me, I think no matter how big or small your school is, you can, you can pursue best practices, you know, finding out in the inclusive world of education and in all aspects of what school is, what is the best practice? You know, what's the best way to do science? What's the best way to do math and English and choir and after school athletics and whatever it is. And it's to, you know, to pursue those kinds of things gives us the opportunity to integrate intentionally our faith into all those program areas. And so I think that because the, the culture is changing so, so heavily around us, it's easy to either be discouraged or to be tempted to, to try some bells and whistles that might be out of bounds for us, but it looks like it's attractive because that's what people are wanting out there. You know, even through um, ACSI and their flourishing school model, you know, that is another resource, the Flourishing School Institutes that they sponsor is a place that, um, that you can sit with others that are wanting to be the best that they can be and to continue to be focused on Jesus and learn from each other, learn from the experts that, that they bring in. And so I think there's resources out there that can be helpful, but I think more than anything else, not losing sight of why we exist, we exist for Jesus, and uh, that cannot be wavered from. 
Amen. Thank you, Rick. Um, that was a fantastic answer to that question, and I appreciate your perspective and your faithfulness to Christian schools um, and to inclusive education for, for all students. As you think about your journey and your career, what has been most encouraging and supporting to you as an administrator kind of leading an inclusive education charge? You know, that's a great question, um, Elizabeth. And I, I think I think what I would say to that is, you know, I don't want to paint a picture that once you decide to do this, it, it just becomes, uh, you know, it just kind of goes and you and you are praising God every day and saying thank you. And people are congratulating you and telling you what a great job you do. And it, requ- it requires an element of perseverance and focus. And as I said earlier, you know, the, the focus on the person of Jesus is, is where we um, should be finding our, our strength. Over the over the course of time, the, you know the, encur- the the encouraging part of it is is just the the diversity of kinds of stories that have unfolded for me. I remember a, a story at my former school of a young lady that we brought into our school that had Down syndrome. The mom wanted the child in our class in our school, and the, the dad did not. And I remember going to uh, she she invited me to uh, a track meet you know, for the Special Olympics. And she was running the 50-yard dash. And as she was running, uh, her uh, one of the other runners fell down. And she was out in lead and she heard the girl fall and she stopped and went back to get her. And her dad was screaming at her, you know, go, go, go. And and she didn't hesitate. She And she actually sat down on the track sat down on the track next to the little girl that, that had fallen and, and kind of wiped her knees and helped her up and walked her across the finish line. Her dad was angry and I was there and, and, you know, I gave her a hug and, and it was at the end of the, at the end of the meet. And at the end of the meet they they named the athlete of the meet and everybody was sure it was going to be these kids that had won two or three events and it were pretty special Olympics champions but she was named the athlete of the meet. And it gives, it gets me, I mean, I just remember standing next to her dad and his whole demeanor changed. I was crying, he teared up. And it's situations like that where you see dramatic, I've seen dramatic change in this dad, it happened. I've seen maybe not quite that dramatic, but dramatic changes in how teachers view this. And then of course, the greatest stories are the stories where you see children being loved and accommodated and helped and inspired and moved along on their path to become what God wants them to be. It's different for every child. And I think, you know, it's too easy for us in in education to get this clear path that's more of a super highway, college bound, you know, everybody needs to be on this one track. And we forget about those that are just learning differently. You know, the ridiculous part of this, Elizabeth, is that I could spend the next hour telling you stories about other kinds of situations, just like the one I just mentioned. But I think it's the impact I've seen. Not not every time, not every year, not in every episode. There are peaks and valleys and speed bumps along the way where things sometimes seem uh, far reaching and, and not yet in our grasp. But when they come, you know, we know that we're doing what God's called us to do. And that's the, I guess that's what I would it would look in summary of my experience and more than you know 40 years of of doing this and being encouraged 
that even in the midst of difficult times and circumstances that don't necessarily bring you the visible change that you're looking for, things are happening and change is occurring and people are being blessed. Children are being blessed. Children are being loved. That's what I remember. God is always moving, right? And that's yeah. that's a, an honor to be able to notice and recognize and celebrate. Um, I would love to sit here for an hour and hear your stories, Rick, because that one brought me brought some tears to my eyes too. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you want to be sure to share with us today? You know, I think more than anything else. Um... You know, I've, I shared this in the in the in the, the chapter that in the insights book. I, I just really believe that this is something that Christian schools should be about. I think Jesus modeled his his love and care for those that are not as privileged, and I think it's our our opportunity to to be a place, uh, to be a beacon, uh, to be a safe harbor, to be a school that that schools you know that that maybe may aren't out there today but will be where youngsters that learn differently have a place to come and to be loved and to find their niche and to be like Eli and, you know, and move past those things or to be like Jackie and be loved and make a difference as she moved through our school. It's exciting to continue to watch that happen here. I believe that's something that every school can pursue. Thank you. Thank you for being a, a beacon, too, of, of leadership and, and inclusive modeling. So thanks for joining our podcast today, Rick. Thank you again to Rick Kempton and to Elizabeth Lucas Dombrowski for another inspiring and insightful conversation on inclusive education in Christian schools. Thank you to all of our podcast guests this season. We have thoroughly enjoyed exploring leading insights with you, hearing your stories, learning from your expertise, and gaining so much wisdom and encouragement. Thank you especially to our listeners for making the All The Long podcast possible. We hope you've enjoyed season one, and we cannot wait to be back for season two. We'll be back in August after a summer break, just in time for the new school year. Be sure to subscribe or follow the All Belong podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss our return. And please share us with your friends and your colleagues. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon, Google, and more. And if you'd like to learn more about All Belong and our mission in inclusive education, or even become a partner school with us like Annapolis Area Christian, you can connect with us on our website at www.allbelong.org or on our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for listening to season one of the All Belong podcast and have a safe and happy summer break. Until next time. <laughs>